You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former K-State beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. Breaking down a Wildcat win. How about that? Feels a lot better at this time than it did a week ago at this time with K-State not only beating at Mizzou, but beat up. Now the Cats are a little bit healthier, played a really nice game against UCF. They're back on the winning track heading into a bye week. So lots of good vibes all the way around here. And if you have good vibes... You need to have some good libations to go along with that. Our friends at Holiday Distillery can help you out. Make sure that you get your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Whichever your poison of choice is, they've got you covered there. Uh, the Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon draws rave reviews here on this show, but uh, also there's 360 vodka available if you need that. Stock up for your tailgates for the rest of the year. This is the bye week. This is the time to stock up. You got a little bit of extra time. Make sure you've got a bunch ready to go for the rest uh, of the season, particularly if you are heading to Stillwater. Uh, next Friday. So shout out to our friends at Holiday Distillery. They support us here on the pod, so please support them. Gentlemen, we are all here to talk about the number one burning topic on everybody's mind, which is Taylor Swift at the Kansas City Chiefs game. Cole is thrilled to talk about that. No, in all honesty, uh, Cole basically made me stop talking about it so that we could start doing the pod. So um, if, if anybody wants any of that talk, let me know. Maybe we can do a Patreon episode about that because I'm ready and willing to talk about any and all of it but cole wants absolutely no part of that discussion so i'm sorry we're gonna have to talk k-state football here apparently. i think john can do a patreon pod with my wife vanessa this week which is actually probably planned it could be something very entertaining that you folks should uh should certainly check out uh on the patreon because i think that'll be an entertaining show there might be some uh some good stories in there from back in her day uh, working with Ron Prince and uh, in the football office. Let's tease that out now. No, we're going to analyze the theory of uh, not getting Travis Kelsey a touchdown until late in the game and whether or not that was intentional. Um, lots of things to break down there. But perfect time as any, Cole, to remind everybody that you can go to patreon.com slash 3ma if you want extra content from us, extra episodes throughout the week. We did about 45 minutes of uh, live post game, taking your questions after the UCF game. That's all up on Patreon now. So if you get done with this and you want uh, a little bit more, 45 minutes more, in fact, uh, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash 3mod to get signed up. Uh, you can also join the Discord, where Cole dropped in uh, plenty of inside info, keeping you up to date on the quarterback situation last week. So uh, lots of good stuff going on there, patreon.com slash 3mod. But look, I, the bottom line is, we all sat here kind of gloom and doom, not feeling great about it. Uh, even our, our group chat, I think, heading into the day, we were kind of like, boy, I don't know about this. And you come up with a double-digit win. It was a 20-point game until Gus Malzahn took the, the Eli Drinkwitz timeout at the end of the game to make sure they squeaked in that, that last touchdown there. But you win and cover. The offense looked pretty darn good. Uh, DJ Giddens obviously carrying a lot of the load, but Will Howard plays the entire way. You avoid some of the messiness that we thought would be there at a quarterback situation. You get a little bit healthier and you get a big win. I mean, I, pretty good day. Pretty good day at the office overall, I would say, D.Y. Yeah, you can't really complain about it. Uh, there was obviously still moments in the second half where that game felt 
still in doubt at the I think mainly in the third quarter and so Kansas State ultimately pulled away and I have some questions that are, that are still lingering in the back of my mind to think about this team and moving forward but at the end of the day you only punted once so you we have questions about the offense going in and, and those were pretty much answered at and Alden Boyd did at this point. Uh, the defense still has some things to work on. Uh, the inexperience is really costing them at this point, in my opinion. And and obviously they got younger and not older when they had to play Austin Romaine with Daniel Green on the shelf for the remainder of the season. Look, they, they just need to play more. Um, my, my gut says, you know, between – really because of how far they have to go, but between now and, and the end of the season, the defense will probably be the most improved part of this team. But – they, they obviously have the farthest to go at, at the same time. So that's where I am on on that. Uh, no worries about the offense. Defense has to get better. But, you know, looking back on our game-to-game predictions before the season, um, you gotta, we got to be honest here. Like, this is kind of what we expected. Like, go look at our scores or go listen to our scores of those games when we predicted a game-by-game before the season even started. We anticipated um, these kinds of shootouts. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the offense so far through three get through four games. They're averaging three point four three points per drive. Last year, K State's offense on the season averaged two point six nine points per drive, which ranked twenty eighth in the country. Now the schedule is going to continue to crank up, and you're going to play harder defenses, so those numbers are going to come down. But the three point four three points per drive would have ranked top ten in the country last season, and and so they have been relatively efficient. They've shot themselves in the foot a few times and made some mistakes game in and game out turning the football over every game with probably an avoidable mistake. And each one of them, you know, missed field goal, missed extra point against UCF or the numbers would have been even better. And at the end of the day, though, you average four points per drive. You score 44 points on 11 drives against the UCF defense. that was top 40 in all the metrics coming into this game nationally. And it's 24 points on four drives in the second half. You only had four possessions in the entire second half and you scored three touchdowns and kicked a field goal. Um, so, you know, you look at those numbers, it was, it was really efficient. In fact, the case they should add 48 points on 11 drives. It wasn't for some special teams errors on the extra point and missed field goal. So offense was terrific. Sorry, John, were you going to say something there? No, I'm just lamenting <laughs> the disaster that special teams uh, have been yeah. the last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Disaster. We, I don't, we, I mean, hire somebody fit. Ju- disgusting special teams on Saturday. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Well, I'm sure we will get into that at some point, but let's keep the positive vibes flowing for now. So offense was really good, and we'll get into DJ Giddens and the running game here throughout the show. Obviously, that's a huge storyline, but defensively at a high level as well, you know, it was frustrating because you gave up some big plays again, and there were opportunities. Um, you gave up a lot of third and long, fourth and long situations that were incredibly infuriating. I've got them noted down. I'll have to pull them later. But uh, that that was a frustrating point. Probably too many explosive plays. You give up seven plays of 20 or more yards. Once again, you gave up seven against Missouri of 20 or more yards. So over the last two weeks, 122 plays the defense has been on the field. They've given up an explosive play. On 14 of them, I think it comes out to 8.7% of the plays that they're on the field. K-State's defense is giving up an explosive play of 20 or more yards. It's too high. Now, we know this is a UCF offense that that came into the game with 28 runs of 10 yards or more through three games. They had five against K-State, really four, because the last one came very, very late on that last drive of the game in garbage time. 
so you, I think K-State's run defense was okay outside of a couple of big plays. I thought they did a nice job there. Just really the, the trick play and then the uh, that they gave up that was wide open and then that third and 10, 46-yard touchdown pass that they gave up that uh, were probably some of the more frustrating points. Yeah, I mean, the infuriation and frustration on the defensive side, I just I don't know that's going to go away overnight. So I, I mean, we can just pull our hair out and say, oh, all you got to do is this, all you do is that, but that's what young players do. They infuriate you until they're not young anymore. Yeah, well, and honestly, I mean, the most... The most infuriating play of the entire game to me was it was not the trick play. It's a, a freaking draw on third and 21. I mean, that cannot happen. Well, yeah. Cannot happen. You had two true freshmen just immediately jump at it. I mean, they're just. But, yeah. but, but they were in the right defensive set to defend something like that. They only rushed three. They had their defenders back to read the play. Yeah. If you watch it, the linebacker, they, they had two young linebackers on the field that didn't really react well as soon as the ball was snapped for some reason. Who who were the who were the backers out there? Do you know why it was Romaine and who was was Asa or Clifton? Was it Clifton too? It gotta be Clifton and Romaine, I would think. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Well they took some bad angles, missed tackle. I mean Austin Moore missed a tackle on that play too, which is unusual yeah. to see. So just that was I I'll be honest, guys. When that happened, I thought K State might lose the game. because uh, that was so incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, that's what you, you know. Do. That's yeah. that's what I see before the season. Like you guys, I you can go back and listen. I said the beginning part of the season, this defense is going to frustrate you because you are spoiled and are kind of used to seeing the defense of the last two or three years. This isn't that group. Yeah. When you when you replace six or seven studs all at once, and we're talking studs here, Echo Boydell. Um, Julius Britz, Josh Hayes, now Daniel Green, Felix Andy DK Uzama, Eli Huggins. I mean, these are pros, and they're all played on Sundays or will play on Sundays. You replace that group, and that's six or seven pros, with first-year starters that have never played a college football game. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I got the notes right. Third and 15, you give up a 27-yard touchdown pass on the screen where they got K-State in the right call. Third and 10, a 46-yard touchdown pass. Third and 13, defensive pass interference gives CUCF the first down. Third and 21, 23-yard run. This one shouldn't even really count in my eyes. Fourth and 15, garbage time drive. Last drive of the game, 29-yard pass to the one-yard line. So too many third and long type of conversions like that. But at the end of the day, guys, UCF in non-garbage time scores 24 points on 10 drives. That's 2.4 points per drive. So when you look at the the final the finality of it all, I think every one of us would have taken that going into the game. And, and UCF and UCF does have some explosion. I mean, this is not an, an offense that is devoid of of explosion at all. I mean that that little back of theirs is. I mean he's he's got some speed, and yeah. they talked a lot about how much. They liked what they're getting at quarterback as opposed to John Rice pulling the air with somebody who can get it down the field a little bit better. Now, you know, I mean, McLean also made some really poor mistakes, uh, so there's some good and bad, but I think you also saw, like, why... I understand why UCF fans saw the upside there and were loving it up. We're also kind of, to Derek's point about K-State's defense and young players, you see, like, all right, well, that's why he was the backup quarterback because he's he's going to make some mistakes like that. So uh, the, the good news is, I would say, on the topic, D.Y. of like the defense getting better and how fast can they get better. And think you have a bye week and then you've got 
Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, which do not look like very explosive offenses right now at all. Now, no disrespect to Taj Brooks, so I think is a really good player and uh, is is underrated because of where Tech is at right now. But you're not going to be tested probably as much by the next two offenses that you play. I I don't think you're you're going to get tested by Oklahoma State because I don't even think that you can point to players there that really scare you on the offensive side of the ball at this point, and they're kind of a dysfunctional organization too i don't do do they still have brennan presley i guess that'd be like the one guy yeah but it's hard to get in the ball right so texas tech still has dudes that could scare you in a game where it's in lubbock i know that they they're struggling right now too i would just say they have the potential to still do it i'm not sure that oklahoma state does yeah i totally agree i mean look i think tech uh and and they have they're their gonna next, pop up and beat someone. They're going to pop up and beat someone. Well, their next couple of games are Houston and Baylor, so they're they're probably going to win the next two and and be on a little bit of a roll by the time that that game gets here. So yeah, in fairness, I think they'll be okay as long as Baron Morton has not completely regressed, which he did not look very good, but it was a rainstorm. And, you know, lots of wonky things happening in that game against West Virginia. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he's kind of a turnover waiting to happen, though. Yeah, well. K State's defense did force a couple of turnovers. That's there's there's a positive. Uh, got, got some turnovers. Yes, they did need it. Uh, but look, we've we've come this far without talking about DJ Giddens. Uh, just an insane night. Two hundred ninety three total yards, four touchdowns. Was it thirty eight touches? Do I have that right? Thirty eight touches. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> incredible. And Derek, you you called it. Like, hey, they've got a bye week coming up. They don't have to worry about really splitting carries too much. I mean, they use Freas a little bit, but pretty sparingly. And DJ was not only was he just a workhorse in the ground game, but he was almost effectively an extension of the ground game in the passing game, where just a lot of angle routes, stuff out of the backfield, checkdowns, uh, and he would pick up five, six yards. I mean, that that happened tons of times throughout the game. Felt like six, seven times. Will would just check it down to DJ Giddens, pick up five or six yards, and and kind of stay ahead of the chain. So cannot say enough good things about what he did stepping up in a spot where K State really, really needed it. With no Sean Ward, um, and we saw we saw the absolute best of of BJ Giddens on Saturday. Yeah, it was a record breaking performance, an historic performance, and I know Cole will be able to apply better perspective on on the details of that. But at the end of the day, DJ Giddens probably carried Kent State to a win. Uh, will Howard was good, uh, not great, but good. Um, missed he's he's still missing the vertical throws, right? So uh, you could have had a couple um, more more things go your way had he connected on a few of those that were right there. So that's what Will Howard means when he's in post games, talk about missed opportunities. But they were bailed out from that largely because DJ Giddens had, had you know, just a terrific performance. And, you know, I did call it that they, they could really ride him with the, the bye week coming up. So 98, 99% of the, you know, usage could just go through him. And, and basically that's what we saw. I also said, you know, on KSO in written form, that I had a feeling that they were going to be able to run the ball with more authority um, this past week, and that also came to fruition just because when you only have DJ Giddens and nobody else, you're probably sticking to one blocking scheme, and you're just going to simplify that, especially when the simplified form is more conducive to DJ Giddens because of the style of runner that he is. And that's what we saw, I think, a more – Simplified running attack is probably best for DJ Giddens and Kansas State in general. But then again, when you have a weapon like Treshawn Ward, I, I understand wanting to kind of make it a little bit more of a versatile scheme. 
Um, but I'm not so sure they're not better <laughs> with without doing that. So that's something that they're going to probably have to wrestle with in the next couple of weeks, um, how to integrate those two together more effectively, because I think the complexity of having to use two, having to use both of them, kind of held them back a little bit as well. Well, it was, according to KSU underscore fan, who does obviously great work for you at KSO, he said that it was uh, it was uh, an ode to uh, Courtney Messingham with a lot of his version of A-gap power that they ran on on Saturday. So Thanks. everybody out there, I just, let's just, everybody out there who hated on Courtney Messingham for a couple of years, you've got you've got mess to thank for, for the win over UCF, all right? We're just, just it putting it out sense. there. Makes sense, because DJ Giddens would be a real beauty in that North Dakota State type offense just because yeah. of his style. Yeah. Uh, I thought DJ Giddens obviously was absolutely terrific. And to put it in perspective, guys, and I think they said this on the TV broadcast when I rewatched it, but from what I can tell, Deuce Vaughn's record for combined receiving and rushing yards in the game was 232 against KU in 2021. And Lawrence, DJ Giddens has 293 yards on 38 touches in this game. And uh, terrific out of the backfield catching the ball as well. As you guys noted, eight catches for 86 yards really flashed some nice hands and we know they really like him in the passing game as well we saw some flashes of that last year and so just an all-around incredible performance uh have to obviously give a ton of credit to the offensive line which i'm sure i, I know we'll do after we talk go back from break here too and we can get into that offensive line because they've taken some heat and they played lights out and opened up a lot of running lanes and kept will howard protected and on his feet in that game but, you know, as you look at DJ Giddens' body of work now, I mean, we're starting to get a pretty good sample size. And he has now 175 touches in his college football career dating back to last year, 1,146 yards on those 175 touches, six and a half yards per touch. And I'm not saying – no one take this to me saying he's better than Deuce Vaughn or, or Deuce Vaughn or similar necessarily, but it's just putting in perspective how good he's been. Deuce Vaughn, 4,884 yards on 767 touches in his career, 6.4 yards per touch. DJ Giddens has six and a half yards per touch right now. I mean, he's he is playing in a terrific football and uh, flashed how good he could be, you know, in various moments. We saw against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, too, last year. We were talking about it off air. 12 touches for 115 yards in that game. It was garbage time. But still, you know, you're seeing a lot of things from DJ Giddens. He could be a, a dude. All right. You know, I know we got to go to break, but I'll leave you with this. Now, DJ Gins is not better than Deuce Vaughn, but I said this before the UCF game. He is better than Trayshawn Ward for this team, in my opinion. I, I agree with you. They're going to have to figure out a better way to mix and match because I still think there is, I still think there's a lot there with Trayshawn Ward. I do. I mean, I think there's a lot he can do to help them out, but they're they're clearly going to probably have to lean more to, toward DJ for now and then figure out what that role is going to be for, for Ward. But uh, as you guys mentioned, we do need to get to a break. We will spotlight the offensive line coming up here in just a moment because they absolutely deserve it. But you deserve some home field apparel, you know? I mean, you deserve to look good when you're at the next uh, Cats game. If you're going to Stillwater next Friday, you need to make sure that you're looking right. So head over to homefieldapparel.com. Get all your K-State gear there with the retro logos. Old Cats script basketball if you want to get ready for basketball season. If you got season tickets like, uh, like Cole and I, ready to go for hoops. Uh, Jerome Tang, by the way, was hanging out, rubbing elbows with Taylor Swift at uh, at Arrowhead. So, you know, I'm sure Jerome Tang. We've seen Jerome Tang wearing home field apparel, uh, I believe. So he's got it. He's been to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use the promo code 3MA23 for 15% off uh, if you're going for the first time to homefieldapparel.com. So get suited up right, look great, 
at the tailgate and um, homefieldapparel.com is where you need to go to do that. You can also get 100 plus uh, other shirts, other teams that are available there. We appreciate them for supporting the pod and we are back with more on the K-State offensive line next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG. Nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Cole, are you disappointed we didn't get a Jerome Tang selfie with Taylor Swift out of that whole deal? I mean, I thought that was the storyline that Jerome Tang was at Arrowhead, not Taylor Swift, but whatever. So, no, I I don't think it would have been that big a deal to get a selfie with Taylor Swift. So, Well, Jareem was certainly angling for it. uh, If if Jareem wants it, yeah, if Jareem wants it, then I wanted it for Jerome Tang. But, uh, yeah. Good sign. Did I just say something inappropriate? Why are you guys oh, busting up like no? This fucking just funny. If Jareem wants it, then by God, make it happen. What Jareem wants, Jareem gets. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, gosh, did I just say something I I shouldn't have? I, I'm sure that's happened before, but uh, you know, uh, yeah. No, no, I'm just laughing at the the whole. We get the wheels back on the track here. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, DY very business. very businesslike today. Yeah, okay, DY, listen, I'm the experienced host here. All right, I'm, I will get us back on the track. Okay, uh, Kristen Duffy was back on track on Saturday. See, how dare you doubt my ability to be a host? What a damn transition that was. Kristen Duffy was back on track. Cole, did you say he played 39 snaps? Is 39 the number that I got for Kristen Duffy? 24. Oh. 24? So, so PFF was that far off. P- PFF yeah. has it at 49. Yeah, no, it's it's because uh, I'm in the middle of writing the story, so I can go here. Christian Duffy. Uh, okay, maybe I was looking at the wrong thing. They they still have it at 49, it looks like. Yeah, I was going to say, I double-checked it this morning. That's I don't trouble. trust like. I don't, I, I don't, I see, I thought he was on the field a lot. I felt like he, I felt like he was on the field a lot. Now, yeah. I realize I feel bad because we just gave three different numbers there. Cole had 49. I thought it was 39. Derek thought 24. PFF says 49 snaps for Duffy when the original goal seemed to be 20 to 30. I mean, either way, the offensive line seemed to function a lot better. And they, I mean, credit where it's due. Like, as much as we came on and were frustrated with them for the first three weeks, in some ways, rightfully so, I, they they manned up. I mean, exactly. I feel like we, we said in the pregame, like, this needs to be a game where they just go out 
and maul some people and make us feel a lot better about what's going on. And getting Christian Duffy back, I'm sure, really helped because they got to play Cooper Peavy inside for much of the game. And man, they did they did a hell of a job. Uh, paved the way for a record-setting day for DJ Giddens. Tip of the cap. Uh, they deserve all the credit in the world for the effort on Saturday. It was it was much 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 better. And I think you see like what a difference it makes when you have all of a sudden BB, who's totally elite, Leviston, all conference player, Christian Duffy. I don't I don't know DY like borderline all conference player. You get those three guys back on the line, everything everything looks and works so much better. Yeah, it did, and and I think a lot of it is because I mean, Christian Duffy on the right side gives you another good communicator, I would say, in terms of guys knowing what they're supposed to do and how uh, versus a certain look that potentially they haven't seen yet. He just has that kind of ability um, as in terms of football IQ. So does Cooper Beebe. So you have one on the left, one on the right, and you feel good, good about your communication uh, across the board. Because not every offensive lineman is like that, where they can just look at anything and know exactly how this should be done. Uh, I can't say it's two really good ones at that in Cooper BB and Christian Duffy. Um, and I think that really makes him go. Obviously, leaving Cooper BB on the left side really helps, especially in the run game, and you can keep him on the interior. Uh, going back to the sap count thing, look, maybe Christian Duffy did play 49 snaps, but I can tell you there is more than one discrepancy on this list and for my billing because they also have KT Leviston tied for the most with Will Howard, Cooper BB, and Aiden Gillum with 85, meaning he was basically – on the field for every single one, and we know that's not true because he got hurt and missed the yeah. snaps. Well, there also weren't any that, that, snaps. That's nothing serious, right? We thought we we were thinking that cramps. was cramps with cramps. Baby. Cramps, yeah. So yeah, they're not like Cole said. I don't think there was eighty-five snaps anyway. But uh, KT Leviston would not have the same amount of snaps as Will Howard and Cooper BB because Cooper BB replaced him. Yeah, yeah. John's triple checking my medical report on KT Leviston. He's uh, he, he didn't trust my my on the field. No, 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 no. That was not no, Cole. That no, I know. I know. Back, to, back to me being a host here because I know <laughs> how to be a host. I know that there are probably some people out there who were like, "Hey, I saw KT Leviston go out. Yeah. I'm worried about what this is." I wanted to just reiterate that yeah. it was cramps. Not well, it, and worry. K State had multiple offensive guys getting cramps, and you want to know why? Yeah, though. So yeah. <laughs> well, I was saying the reason the reason they had multiple guys getting cramps is because K State's offense was on the field for 82 offensive plays, yeah. which is the second most since 2012. Uh, Oklahoma game last year in Norman, they had 83 offensive plays. Outside of that, this 82 was the most in the last 11, 12 years in a game, which really just shows how much K-State dictated this game from a physicality standpoint. They controlled the time of possession. UCF's offense only on the field for 59 plays. It's the second fewest for UCF since the start of last season in a game. Only Navy had that offense for UCF on the field less, and we know they just run the run the heck out of the football and control the clock as well and kill time. So that shows K-State just inserted their will up front on this UCF defense. And that is a defensive line. I, I think we need to remind folks, all right, that was the strength of their team. UCF's defensive line returned seven of their eight top rotational players, and they brought in a top 100 recruit and six foot four, 310 true freshman, John Walker, who is a top 100, number 99 overall recruit at defensive tackle and shows them over Ohio State, uh, Miami, Florida, Alabama. I mean, he had offers from everywhere. Uh, they had a transfer in Lee Hunter, who's six four, 320 pounds, a transfer from Auburn at defensive tackle that had been playing terrific football. He was also a borderline five-star recruit coming out of high school. And that 
UCF folks I talked to said he was just controlling the line of scrimmage in the first three games for them up front. And K-State was able to just impose their will on that UCF front and wear them down. And the offensive line played terrific football. Seven yards per carry, 281 yards on the ground. The seven yards per carry, the fourth highest in the Chris Kleiman era at Kansas State. Uh, They just ran the heck out of the football. They opened up holes um, that were pretty visible from my vantage points of seats and thought Cooper Beebe being at left guard consistently, like D.Y. kind of alluded to, was, you know, a big part of that as well. Just the consistency factor of having the best guard in college football at his natural position on the interior, pushing those guys around, polling. Uh, I thought that was a key part. Uh, Christian Duffy obviously played a, a huge role in that as well. So huge shout out to the offensive line, not to mention the fact that they also, uh, Will Howard's only sacked once. They kept a pretty darn clean pocket for almost the entirety of that game. He drops back to throw the ball 42 times, all right? And we were worried about his mobility. He only gets sacked one time. So just an all-around really, really good performance by that K-State offensive line. I thought some interesting notes that I was actually able to derive from PFF. Now, maybe take some of this with a grain of salt because I'm not sure our numbers are necessarily accurate. But when Carver Wills is on the field, Keenan State's passing the ball much more than they are running. Um, the numbers there are pretty wide discrepancy. When Taylor Portier is on the field, they are running a lot more than they are passing. So I thought those two were interesting. Another one, Will Swanson, it says he's on the field 19 times. Kansas State runs it 15 of those. So that's a pretty large portion as well. And Seth Porter on the field 18 times. Kansas State threw it 15 of those. Hmm. Interesting. And they tried the they tried the trick play with the end around with uh, with Seth as well, pitching it back to Will. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't work. Uh, also meant to mention as well, the 32 first downs by K-State in this game, second most in program history against an FBS opponent. So some really incredible numbers from this offensive performance. And again, I, I don't want to understand, like, I think UCF's defense is decent. I, I think K-State, I don't think they're elite by any means, but I think that's a respectable defense. And K-State put up some some dominating numbers. Yep. And if this is probably picking nets a little bit, but if I'm going to say what is the concern, if any, still on the offensive side of the ball for me would be passing explosiveness. I think th- I think they're lacking in that department still, and I thought they were hurt by that again against UCF. Um, it was much worse against Missouri, in my opinion, but against UCF, I thought it cropped up again. Now, I will say, if you and maybe this is picking nits as well, if Will Howard throws a good ball, then maybe the passing explosiveness doesn't look as bad because he missed Jane Jackson and he missed Garrett Oakley. I think it's a good point, D.Y. The longest pass caught by a K-State wide receiver was Seth Porter at 16 yards. That's not including Ben Sennett, who's a tight end. And then Phillip Brooks' longest catch was 13, and then 12 for Jaden Jackson. So, you know, Ben Sennett had a 22-yard catch, and D.J. Giddens had your longest catch in the day for 24 yards. Yeah, and those were some yak involved in those, I believe. And it was like six yards an attempt, right? I mean, Will threw the ball 42 times, if I recall correctly. Uh, Uh, Yards. Pulling up up the box score here. 6.1 per pass in the game. and But he he had really pretty nice numbers going into halftime, guys. He was 19 to 29 for 193 yards. It was the second half, 13 pass attempts for just 62 yards. And so struggled a little bit in the the second half, especially with the passing. The yards per completion is where you really get your discrepancy between those two schools. UCF, almost 19 yards of completion 
which is if it, that is an issue. But Kansas State, not even ten. Yeah, and I think it's it's just kind of going to be a thing. It's it's probably an issue that they're going to have to deal with, especially when the receivers got a little banged up throughout the game. So I mean, let's let's focus in on that. Let's focus in on the passing game. After we tell you about our lovely friends at DraftKings, we're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets, throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. The crown is yours. I feel like I should step in and say here, Cole, we had some guy tweet us, how much did that guy win? Like $2,800 by betting our picks last week? Someone won like $2,800. So get on DraftKings and use our picks and get rich quick because we have evidence of that. He selectively eliminated my pick from his parlay and used. Well, that's just that's just being smart. I mean, that's <laughs> he, he he packaged uh, a couple other picks of his own with uh, with ours. But DY, he used one of your picks. He used one of your He's, secondary picks. My secondary picks are money this year, folks. <laughs> yeah, just don't okay. look the primary one. <laughs> yeah, just don't don't take the helmet pick. Get the other one. Get the other one, DY. Uh, gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www one eight hundred Gambler net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Don't even do it, Ontario. I see you making the move. I see you starting to get up and pull that phone out. Don't do it. Do not do it. It is void in Ontario. Stop it right now. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms of responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. More on the K-State passing attack next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So at one point in this game, you did have, obviously, still a beleaguered Keegan Johnson. I mean, he he was out there and made somewhat of an impact. But you have him. RJ Garcia went out pretty early in the game, didn't return. Jaden Jackson, DUI, I believe you mentioned, was was cramping up there. So, like, it was as Seth Porter got banged up, too. I believe it was on the kick return that he took out. So, I mean, it was, like, pretty much everybody in the receiving core that, that has played this year was dealing with something in some way, and they're already struggling to generate explosiveness as is. So, I, yeah, I mean, look, the offense scored 44 points. It's, it's hard to be – I feel like we've had kind of similar conversations every week where it's like, well, the offense did this, and even last week against Mizzou, against a pretty good defense, the numbers relatively hold up all right, but – that is the thing that you appear to be missing. It does not appear to really be changing. I guess hopefully Keegan Johnson gets a little better through the bye week. It, it won't hurt. But that is something that they desperately miss right now is explosiveness in the receiver core. And it just unfortunately feels like we have the same conversation about every year uh, with the receiving core. Minus Cade Warner and Malik Knowles last year. Cade Warner and Malik Knowles made, made that turn into a different convo last year, but it feels right back to kind of where it's been since since Tyler Lockett left town. Malik Knowles was explosive last year. Cade Warner was actually kind of explosive last year, but pretty reliable. This year you're getting reliability out of Phillip Brooks, who I think has had an understated season probably this far by us. Agreed. Outside of the, outside that, we've seen a lot of inconsistency. Jane Jackson's been good in the first half of most games and then kind of fades away into you know, obscurity after the fact. So, look, I've been kind of probably a little critical about Will Howard this year considering his numbers have been pretty impressive, and I think he's been good but not great. And maybe he's not been great because it's just been a revolving door of weapons. I mean, Treshaw Wartz missed the game. Garrett Oakley's missed three games. Ben Sinek came into the media availability after um, the win over UCF with ice all over his shoulder. So, I and those are the ones that you didn't mention. I mean, they Seth Porter was banged up. Jaden Jackson was banged up. Keegan Johnson is banged up. RJ Garcia played th- three snaps and it was never seen again because I think he's dealing with the, a soft tissue type of thing. So it's been a revolving door. Not only have they not been explosive or particularly effective when on the field, but they're also banged up. And in Trace Bybee's case, he didn't even was not in uniform. It's used yet because of an illness, I believe. So 
this is just the, the most banged up room and the one probably not performing um, to their level of standards uh, and potential at this point too. I think it'll get better, but they need to get healthier too. And, and that seems to be going the other way instead of in the right direction at this point. But in terms of passing explosiveness, look, I'm just going to be simple with this because I think it is pretty simple. They were going to depend on Keegan Johnson for that this year, and he hasn't been Keegan Johnson. I suspect they built a lot of their offense in the offseason around the thought that Keegan Johnson would be the number one wide receiver and that vertical playmaker, and the fact that he hasn't been able to be himself out there has probably had an impact on how they call these games and how Colin Klein attacks opposing defenses, and you have to hope now with the bye week you know, that he takes that next step. Because I will say, I mean, DY Pro Football Focus had him at 52 snaps in this game, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was at 52 snaps. It's kind of what I said. At the, I don't know if I said it on the pregame uh, show last week or, or on the other one, but I said at this point, I don't think the number of snaps is what we should be looking at. It's the quality. Well, that's the thing, because he's, what, targeted three times on 52 snaps? Now, I think... They had the one deep ball where they threw it to him. Um, there was another one, I think, he beat his guy, but Will got sacked, right? That was, that was Garrett Oakley. I thought one I Will someone, was oh, I think someone in the I think someone in the chat had said it was Keegan, but it was actually Garrett Oakley, I think is what. Okay, that must have been where I was thinking. Yeah, Will Howard got sacked on one where Garrett Oakley was wide open, and, and Will was looking that way, so that would have probably been a touchdown as well. I thought one, Keegan did beat his guy over the top, and Will just overthrew it. He might have got hit at the same time. I don't know. But he missed him. So that's another one I think Will would probably want back. And then, to be honest, on Will Howard's interception, I thought it was just a, a poor run route, too. Now, Will Howard has to see that first and not make that throw, but Keegan didn't do him any favors. I was going to say, I, I felt like that was at least 50% on Keegan because it's single man, and his guy just beat him to the spot, out-physicaled him, and beat him to the – because the linebacker that Will's reading – is out of the picture, so he's just thinking, all right, that throw should be there, but that corner can't be ahead of Keegan there, right, D.Y.? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good play by him, to be yeah. honest. So sometimes okay. the other team's just going to make a play, um, but that that's also, like, sometimes I think Will is anticipating too much. Like a Pre, yeah. yeah. My, my reaction to that was Will also, I think there's times where he's pre-reading and predetermining that he's going to throw it to a spot, thinking it's going to be open, and, and hitting that first read, and it's been a few times the ball has been batted up in the air too. That kind of fortunate that haven't been picked off as well, where the linebacker undercuts a, a certain route. So you have to be careful there. Some of those mistakes are certainly avoidable, and I think that's probably the biggest knock on Will so far this year. Just an interception in every game, and each one has kind of left you scratching your head. I mean, they're they're outside. They're, outside he'll, he throws three or four balls a game, where we're just like, man, what? What is literally? It has been too script every week. There's like. Three, you're, you're right. Three or four throws where you're like, "Well, that was an interceptable pass." Like, what, what is that? And then you know he'll hit you with a couple that are like, "Well, that was a dime," yeah. and and the rest of it's generally just okay and decent. And and he's, so missing yeah, he's, well, he's missing. He's missing. He, he's a little bit. So I was gonna. I mean, obviously the Garrett Oakley miss was really frustrating, and that to me felt like a pretty key inflection point in the game where they. If he hits yeah. that, they may go on to really put some space between them and UCF early because it was 21 to 10 at that point. The trick yeah. play came right after that. If they go down and roll and, and put it in the end zone and it's 28 to 10, maybe we're sweating it out a lot less throughout the entirety of the game. So that was a big miss. But I would say in Will's defense, 
I mean, again, he was pretty hobbled. Like he's he's probably playing on like one and a half legs. So I can yeah. understand if that throws things off just a little bit. So at least in this instance, I, I mean, I think you got to give Will a lot of credit for the game that he played. Judging by the injury situation, when early on in the week we were hearing like, "Hey, probably going to be an Avery Johnson start here because of how how beat up." Yeah. So no, I, I will cut him some slack. I agree. I, I mean, I I have cut him a lot of slack. I think especially for some of the other throws. So they did the Jaden Jackson one. Two could have been a touchdown. Obviously, if it was a good throw, maybe it's a still a tough one. But the Garrett Oakley one's just a little hard for me because he was literally wide open. Like you would rather him under throw that ball than over throw. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with all you guys said. Everything you guys said there. There were also times we were on the topic of Keegan going back to him. Like I was watching UCF was playing zero coverage. Sometimes they didn't have safety help over the top, and that's a time where I just a, a healthy Keegan. I like that matchup based off his experience. So. Uh, hopefully this bye week gets him back healthy. Uh, and then, I mean, guys, I, I, what does Garrett Oakley do for this offense? I mean, let's talk, let's talk about him real quick because we've heard from folks that he's a redshirt freshman tight end out of Nebraska. He's about six foot five, 230 pounds. He's been banged up, hasn't been in uniform until he returned to practice this last week. And he starts the game at tight end along with Ben Sennett in his first week back from injury. And again, we've heard rave reviews about him. And every time I looked up, I felt like Garrett Oakley was finding ways to get open. I mean, he looks like he could be another Ben Sennett type vertical threat at the tight end position. I, I would agree. And he was open a lot. And that's probably a well that they can dip into if they're going to struggle a little bit in terms of production at the receiver position. Because a lot of times he's going to be open because they do have to worry about Ben Sennett. So if you have two tight ends like that on the field at the same time to worry about, it kind of makes it tougher to scheme out a certain player. So if they're if they're going to take away Ben Sinek, Garrett Oakley's going to be open. Well, yeah, I, that that can be a key factor here as we head into the rest of Big 12 play. The other thing that is a key factor is the continuity of the offensive line and now hopefully the ability to run the football, which they hadn't been able to do necessarily in the first three games very well or up to their standard because in the first – the last two games heading into that one, they ran the ball 73 times for 285 yards. They run it 40 for 281 against UCF. If the offensive line can play like they did and there's more continuity and consistency there and you get that running game more established, it's going to be a lot more single man on K-State's wide receivers and a Garrett Oakley and a Ben Sennett where they're not able to drape all over them necessarily. So there's a lot of things that you could take away from this game and looking ahead, you add a weapon in Oakley, you hopefully get Keegan Johnson healthier you know, Treshawn Ward, you know, I think you'll probably get him back for Oklahoma State as well. So at least you have another experience running back there, even though DJ Giddens probably needs the guy getting the majority of the carries going forward, or at least, you know, the larger percentage of the carries. So I think there's some opportunities. And I think out of all the injuries, a Spivey should be fine. I think Seth Porter got dinged up on his ankle that he'd been battling a little bit of an injury on, on that kick return. So I think he'll probably be okay with the bye week, just speculating there. And then uh, you also should get uh, Jaden Jackson was just cramped, so I think he'll be fine from what it looked like. So it's RJ Garcia that you have to just see where where he goes from here. But um, also maybe with the bye week, some of these younger wide receivers like a Jace Brown or Trey Spivey get a little more incorporated in the offense. I don't know. Well, I would love I would love that because I mean that's a part of my question on the future of the receiver room is like I mean are you is is there reason to believe that you're going to be more explosive there in the in the future? I mean, I'm just like, can we can you just go recruit the fastest guy you can find, like get some get some speed in there? It just feels like they they're always slow uh, in the in the receiver room. But the other point I would make on the, the tight ends, 
does this turn into can, can these guys be Charlie Kolar or Chase Allen? You know, from a couple of years ago with Iowa State, where they had two really elite tight ends, uh, and that that made their offense pretty pretty tough to stop. I'm there. Yeah, no, I I was thinking like the Patriots and the NFL love their like oh yeah three tight end sets, right? No, no, I don't bring up Aaron Hernandez here, Cole. Way to go! I I wasn't even going there. I was going with like they've been running like two or three tight end sets. I don't I don't want to be the Patriots offense. I was just thinking that that they're. The, the two tight end sets could be a weapon with Oakley and Ben Sennett, and that could be hard to defend. And so uh, and you got to like that Garrett Oakley got around 20 snaps in this game, and now he's got the bye week. He's knocked some of that rust off. It was his first college football game, and now he can get more incorporated and more comfortable and get even healthier um, with this bye week. So it just falls at a great time, and uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do as well. And then hopefully Keegan Johnson gets closer to 100% as uh, they rest up something this week. Do we do we know what's going on with RJ Garcia? I think it's a similar thing to Keegan Johnson. The other part, you know, a different muscle. <laughs> okay. Oops. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I I hate to say it, like both of those guys, I'm kind of just in. I'll, I'll believe that they're going to be really productive when I see it. Uh, mow the rest of the year, and I understand that that injuries are a part of that. But uh, okay, special teams, dude. What? What the hell? I mean, in that game, you have a kickoff out of bounds, a missed 26-yard field goal, a missed extra point, two holding penalties, and you give up a 50-yard return. I I mean, it is... You've got to try to be as bad as K-State was on special teams on Saturday. And my concern with this is now I will say in fairness, they have morphed into a team that is better on offense and better on defense and they have upped the talent level. So they don't have to be quite as reliant on this to, to like win in the margins. They don't need to do quite as much winning in the margins, but it would sure be nice to still be able to win the margins to help you out. And they've just seemingly slowly, it feels to me like they have slowly, eroded a little bit the special teams the further away that they have come from Bill Snyder's program which there's going to be some of that inherently because he was uh, as good as as anybody at doing that for years but you know they, they weren't very good last week at Mizzou either you had punts that were not great obviously you give up a 61 yard field goal I know it was a long one but Tenet missed one there too I just I'm I have very little reason to trust much of what's going on on uh, on special teams right now, and it's not like we're seeing big returns being popped either. I don't, I don't know, man. Special teams feels like a mess to me right now. They, I'll, I'll, it's justifiable the consternation there. What I will say is uh, to, to maybe glass half full here at least a little bit is like half of the issues that you just uh, mentioned were, and I hate to do this, one guy. Um, Kickoff field goal extra point. That's- yeah, well, and here's the thing, Derek. They had the same issues with that one right. guy. Right. Last I'm just suit. Yeah. No. Ty Zentner no. was there to come in and save the day. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see Ty Zentner walking through the door right now. Right. No, I wasn't explaining it away. I'm just saying, like, it's probably less of an across the board issue than what it seems a little bit. And Phil Brooks does have two really nice returns this year. And Keegan Johnson, though, he stole it from Phil Brooks, had his pretty solid one. On Saturday night, too, and Phil Brooks didn't really take too kindly. I mean, there's a question. If Keegan Johnson is not explosive enough to be doing things, why is he on kick return? Well, I know it's because Seth got hurt. Seth Porter got hurt. 
Okay. You know, so, okay. Um, but the, so the returns, I think they've come close to popping a few and they have had two or three pretty good ones in my opinion. They have to get the kicker situation figured out. And I think that errat- that solves 75% of this special teams problem, in my opinion. Whether that's Tenet or someone else, it's got to be solved because you're going to be playing in a lot of close games this year where the kicking is going to come into play. It already did, you know, at Missouri. So I, that's where I would go with that. One of the two holding calls was also pretty bullshit. That's yeah. I saw that too, D.Y. I think we're probably talking about the same one there that probably could have been a, a non-flag. The uh, Hey, how about Keegan showed a little something on that kick return though, guys. I mean, I mean it, it, did you see how pissed off the yeah. next after? <laughs> yes. But, you know, like, I don't know, like, that was Keegan's first time on a kick return in, in a game this yeah. year. I don't know, like, him, like there's just some confusion there. But, yeah, they Philip Bridge was not that big. I don't know why. He literally ran across the entire I'm going to be honest, I was kind of glad he did. I wanted to see him try and return one. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure it threw things off a little bit, but he showed some moves there. Um, I like to see a, an, an assertive Keegan Johnson there trying to be an aggressor and make a play. Here, here's what I'll say about Tenet, guys. Uh, this was obviously a, a brutal game for him with the uh, the missed extra point just being the cherry on top late in the game and the missed 26-yarder. And I think, obviously, based off the sample size of what we've seen in the past, that's why we view this as a problem. If it wasn't for the past, we probably wouldn't be feeling that bad about this because Tenet had actually been pretty solid going into this game. His only missed kick on the year was the 50-plus yarder at Mizzou. It was, what, like 55 yards? where It was online. It just came up a little bit short, a couple yards short. Um, He'd been good until this game. Now you have to worry about the mental side of it, too. Uh, You like... I. I, I'm just saying, I'm to play devil's advocate or take out him a positive approach here. He had been decent on this season until that kick. The- no, I agree. And maybe it's a good thing that he's going to get two weeks to kind of forget about what just happened because we know that the mental side has kind of crippled him before. So this was a pretty negative game that can negatively impact him or has in the past. Um, I would anticipate because... He literally only has that one miss if you take away the Missouri field goal that was a 54-yarder. But So I, I think he'll get another game to kind of redeem himself, but I don't know that the I, – I think the leash is probably incredibly tightened at this point just because of what we saw from him last year. And, it you know, it was an extra point too. And you could tell in post-game press conference that the extra point really pissed off Chris Clyde. Yeah, well, I believe that was the one where it got Eric Collins. It was just literally like, what What was that? Like, just whenever the play-by-play guy has that as the reaction to it. Climbing, uh, the response was like, we, we, we can't miss an extra point. He was just like shook his head. I thought he got a little animated. Well, he pretty much missed two extra points because the other one was a 26-yard field goal. So, like, I mean, yeah. Uh, look, I, I feel for the guy. I want him to succeed. I hope that it works out, but my leash would be pretty short too. I, I'm sure he's going to get at least another game. I tend to think it would be even more than that because these guys, that's kind of how they roll. They're they're going to be with their players, uh, sometimes to a fault, but sometimes it works out really well. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, is, is Leighton simmering ready? Like, what are we, What what's, who's next up here? What what happens? Leighton simmering's next up. Yeah, Tenant since the start of last year has missed three extra points too. I mean, that's that's too many. 
uh, obviously you kind of consider those automatics. And then um, I thought Leighton Simmering was coming in the game after the missed 26 yarder because there was a timeout and it was case was in a third down during the timeout and Simmering was the one out on the field loosening his leg. But then Tennant ended up coming out after they didn't get the first down on third down and ended up kicking and, and credit to him. He made the field goal and that was after the 26 yard miss. But yeah, Leighton Simmering, redshirt freshman. Is he from Minnesota, D.Y.? I don't know. I can't remember all that. But uh, tell you right now, he is from Rosemount, Minnesota. I know my I know my recruiting profile. How many offers did he have? Let's see if I can get his uh, recruiting profile pulled up. So <laughs> yeah, no. Packer speaker. I yeah. will it, before we like close because I know we're probably about to close. I'm just gonna laugh at two Big Ten schools here for a minute. One is Iowa. Uh, you know, the whole, whole offensive thing and then getting shut out of Penn State, that's pretty laughable to me. But I didn't know this, and I just saw it on Twitter. They had only 33 offensive snaps. 33. I mean, that means you're probably not getting any first downs right. It's not good, but I, I would also say I, I would prefer that Iowa pick it up a little bit on offense, and I would prefer that Iowa win eight or nine games like they do every single year to just keep Kirk Ferentz employed. No. I wouldn't. I'm not really worried about. That. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really worried about it, but it's at least a little bit. It it is better. I mean, look, we get we still get the fodder to make fun of them, and it's just not. Yeah, I get it. I it's just not something that I've ever been scared of. But who knows? And then the other one, and this is why I thought of it because you guys brought up Minnesota. It's like they were beating Northwestern by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and lost. Uh, yeah. Hey, they, they just stopped rowing. They lost the oar. <laughs> Are you guys shocked that Avery Johnson didn't play at all? No. No, I'm not. Just because I'm, well, if you told me before the game that he wouldn't, then I would have been shocked. But the way the game played out, not shocked. I mean, they were cooking on offense. They punted once. No, you're right. Yeah. I, I'm 100%, 100% my answer. If you would have told me going into the game, yes, I would have been totally stunned. But the way the game played no out. Reason that, yeah, no yeah. reason to, to play okay. that game. Okay. Can you believe how well Will Howard moved in that game? A little surprised about that. Yeah, that that yeah. touchdown run at the end, he yeah. showed some burst. No, I mean, yeah, no. he, uh, he ran better than I thought. But like, you know, especially in the second half, because everyone's like, why didn't they just bring in Avery in the second half? When I was like, yeah, well, they weren't throwing it well in the second half, so why not go to Avery? I was like, what are you going to do? Have Avery hand the ball off to DJ Giddens because that's that that was a good plan. <laughs> yeah. To say when when DJ Giddens is running, I mean they've had to go to Avery because they couldn't run the ball. They had to find ways to manufacture rushing yards, yeah. and they did not have to do that at all. I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to waste a game of Avery Johnson just to hand the ball off to DJ Giddens. Well, I guess my thought is like they're not redshirting Avery, so um, I, 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 the offense was cooking. I mean, you guys are right. I just and the way case they ran the ball with Giddens so well, the DNs were crashing so hard for UCF. Anytime Will pulled the ball out it was there for a big run. So well, that's the other thing Will deserves credit for. I mean, for stepping up and he did carry the ball a couple of times. They went to it a little bit less, but it was still, you know, in some key spots when they needed it. And we could probably debate whether or not it's, they need to be running Will when he picks up the last touchdown anyway, uh, because they kind of had the game in the bag by that point, but I get it. It was a read. I, I think it was a read and that door just crashed so hard. He, he didn't even get touched. Yeah. Almost all of them are reads this year, but it's a good question. I got asked it like it was like the question that came up eight times in, in the my post game mailbag, and and this is how I kind of thought about it. 
is like when Kansas State or any fans team gets away from what they're doing best, people get pissed off. We're like, why, why did you just run it with Giddens? Like, you know what I mean? So if you if you take that away and just bring in Avery and not, and not do that, then people want to see Avery Johnson. But if you would have went in and that didn't work, they're like, why didn't you just stick with Giddens? So it's it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But I like that they just stuck with what worked. Yeah, that's the old, uh, why didn't he just call the good plays? You know, that's that old conundrum. Why don't you just call the good plays? Call the ones that work. Um, all right. Think that's uh think that's gonna wrap it up. We appreciate everybody for listening today. Hope everyone is in a better mood now going into uh this bye week. Relax, enjoy things, stock up on your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon or your 360 vodka, get your home field apparel, get on DraftKings, take our lead pipe locks of the week and make tons of money. Uh you can make twenty eight hundred bucks that has now been proven. No false advertising here. It's on Twitter. The internet says it, so you know that it is true. Uh, thanks to Nick Springer behind the scenes. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another edition of 3 Ma. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.